Let's go to Romans 3, chapter 3, verses 19 to 31. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this in, to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Amen. God is righteous. God is righteous. God is righteous. God is righteous. Psalm 139, 37. But besides that place throughout the Bible, in many places, God is described to be righteous. His word is righteous. His works are righteous, Job six twenty nine, And he takes up to heaven those who remain in righteousness for heaven. Uh, it's also described as a new heaven and new earth in Second Peter three thirteen, is where righteousness dwells. So we want to go to heaven where we just sang about, what we just sang about. No, uh, no suffering, no shame, um, no regret, no darkness, no sickness. No suffering, um, no injustice. There is only life. There is only joy. There's only peace. There's only rest. There's only comfort. And there's only love. Do we want to go there? Where is it? It's in heaven specifically. It's in the Father's house. And that's where righteousness dwells. And therefore, only those who remain in his righteousness on earth can enter there. So faith means to acknowledge God as the only righteous one. And faith life, our Christian life, our daily life as Christians is about living according to the law of faith. According to the law of faith. What kind of law? Yes. Romans 3, 20, uh, 37, um, the passage that we just read. The law of faith. <clears throat> Certainly that law of faith is um, described and mentioned in contrast to the law of Moses, which we're going to go over. And I know already righteousness law, um, unless you have been here hearing uh, Pastor Kang's sermon since January this year, just really eye-opening, deep uh, preaching and teaching about righteousness as kingdom, this may be like, whoa, what is that? So dry. Law. Oh, my goodness. But you know, as I myself have been studying the Bible more in light of what Pastor Kang has been preaching and for my own preaching in the Bible, righteousness is a serious, perhaps the most serious business. It's the most prominent attribute of God. So if you were to do word search in the Bible, instead of finding God is love, you will find more of God being righteous. And so we have to understand that about God. Yes, God is love, God is loving, God is merciful, he is forgiving, he is patient, he is merciful, compassionate, all those things that we love about God, we find comfort in and be encouraged by. Uh, Yet we have to know this part of him, which is being righteous. And righteous is not gray, but it's black, it's a matter of black or white. It's absolute. It's an absolute attribute of God. There's no neutral, there's no gray zone, 
Um, it is no compromise. There is no negotiation. That's what righteousness means. Because righteousness means rightness. Uh, it's the standard of being right. It's a measuring stick of what is right and what is wrong. So you are either right or you are either wrong. You're on the right side or on the wrong side. That's it. There's nothing in between. <clears throat> so applied to our lives, it means law. And law, um, law and order, maybe some of you like that show, but law and order as a concept is not something that's popular. Yet, it is absolutely necessary for the human society to have that, to, uh, for, uh, for us humans to function and be protected and guaranteed. Because um, law is absolutely necessary for the maintenance of human society. No one wants to be found in a lawless society. Right? Even if a law may be binding and um, it may limit one's freedom, so people can say, let's throw away the government, let's throw, stop uh, following the law, uh, and then they you know, revolt or protest, and then things go from there, and then you arrive in what's called anarchy, and anarchy is a very scary uh, situation where there is no law of the land. Um, yet, depending on what kind of legal system or ruling system that one is born into, um, that person's life uh, will be determined. Um, their fate is determined uh, based on that. So uh, I, you know, in, in the beginning of my uh, mission of work in Eastern Europe, um, for them, uh, communism was a very still fresh, you know, in their memory. Um, <clears throat> so people who are in their middle, I guess in the middle ages, they, they remember more because uh, the fall happened eighty nine ninety with the Soviet falling and all the Soviet blocs. Uh, so even places like Poland um, and all those neighboring countries, Estonia, Luthi, uh, Lith Lithuania, and um, Latvia, uh, Bulgaria, Serbia, all those nations. Uh, and they talk about communism like it happened yesterday. And then they talk about their children who know nothing about communism. So under communism, how their freedom was so limited um, and that their lives were very oppressed. But their children, being born in a free society, know nothing about that. So they take that freedom for granted, is what um, these older uh, folks will tell me. So um, democracy is something that you hear all the time. Um, and democracy, uh, by definition, is when power is held by the people. So the people hold the power and people elect um, their represent. So representation is important. So uh, to practice your right, you need to have representation in the office. And these are in the forms of you know, representatives and congressmen and congresswomen, senators and so on. They represent um, the people. So you have the people uh, making decisions about their country and the laws. Uh, even though they don't get to do it themselves directly, they have representation um, uh, enabling uh, that system. Uh, but by contrast, you have something, there's so many other options. You can have something called autocracy or totalitarianism, totalitarianism, sorry, and authoritarianism, uh, which is a system where the ruler has unlimited power, simply dictatorship or tyranny. So tyranny. So this is where... The ruler is the law because whatever they say, they will do. And no one can say anything about it. You protest, I hang you. <laughs> I kill you. You know, we kill you. We, we just stomp, uh, stamp out all the protests and all the demonstrations. Uh, and that's how it is under uh, such ruling. Now, monarchy is similar uh, in the sense that the ruling power resides in that monarch, the king or the queen or whoever the ruler is. And that has been the tradition of the older you know, societies, but then people protest and then transition into different forms of um, legal systems like democracy. But monarch himself or herself is the law. So when the law is established, if you obey the law, then, then you, the citizen, uh, the people, can be protected and guaranteed of their rights. But you violate the law, then you'll be deprived of your rights. So any rights from private ownership, 
right? So under democracy and capitalist society like, like ours here, uh, you have the right to possess, the right to own. So private ownership is a very important um, right that individuals have in a system like ours. But if you violate the law, that right will be taken away, uh, deprived um, to just any, all types of liberty, including the right to live. So all these things hinge on whether you cooperate and follow the law or not. You follow the law, the law will protect you. If you don't follow the law, you violate the law, then the law will deprive you of all your rights. So that's how, right, that's why law is, law is so important in our human society. How much more before the law that is above all laws, the righteousness that is the origin, right, the absolute rightness, because no matter how laws are important in our societies today, uh, it is not absolute. these are not absolute. The systems change and rulers change and laws change. Right? What was legal then it may be illegal today. What uh, was illegal then is legal today and may not be legal tomorrow, however. So laws change all the time. That's why you have con- the Congress and they vote and they have bills and blah, 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 petitions. So they're always changing. But what the Bible speaks of is the righteousness of God, which is absolute. It is absolute. It's the law of God. Why? Because God is righteous. Who is righteous? God is righteous. What else is righteous? His word is righteous. So when God called on the people of Israel, um, he gave them the law. And this law is the law coming from God, but it was given through Moses. So oftentimes this law is called the law of Moses. So that's the law in the Old Testament. John uh, talked about it in 117, the law that came through Moses. Acts 15 verse 1 says it is the law that was, again, given through Moses. So it's called the law of Moses. What's it called? Yes. And uh, the law reminded them that Jehovah was the God of Israel. And that Israel was the people or the holy people of Jehovah. So as I had already said in my introduction, if you keep the commandments of, uh, in the law of Moses, then you will be guaranteed prosperity, longevity, and the land that God promised their ancestors. So that's what Joshua has said, of China, chapter 23, verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. But be steadfast and be righteous by keeping the law of Moses the law that God has given through Moses. Deuteronomy 8, 1 says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. So this is how it began for the people of Israel, the Jewish, so-called the Jewish people. I mean, they weren't known as Jewish people in the beginning, but later on, so. So they enter into this contract or covenant with Jehovah, the Lord God, with this promise. You keep the law, you say yes to the law, and the people say, yes to the law in exodus 19 we see that god saying i will make you my people but you have to obey the law but if you obey the law i will guarantee you a long life blessing for your children prosperity and the possession of the land sounds good amen they said right and then exodus 20 is when we see god outlining what's called the 10 commandments right so people agreed into that but god also warned if you don't keep the commandments Right? Then what happens? Deuteronomy 28, 45 says, all these curses will come on you. They will pursue you, overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commandments and decrees he has given you. So all the promises, keep the law, then you will be guaranteed all the promises. Break the law, then all the curses will come to you to destroy you. It's your choice. All of these things, however, were regarding the flesh. But when God commanded them to build the sanctuary in the form of the tabernacle in the desert and the temple of Jerusalem later in Canaan, um, had the name of Jehovah in it. And then there was also the Ark of the Covenant. And actually, where it says the law, the name of the Lord was in it, was actually thought, the Ark was thought of as holding the name or the name being placed there. So it's called the Ark of Covenant, Ark of the Covenant. But Exodus 26, 33 says the, it is the Ark. It was also called the Ark of the Covenant Law the covenant law. So that reminded them those two things. Again, what is it? Jehovah was the God of Israel and Israel was the holy people of Jehovah. Simultaneously, according to the law, those who confess that they have rebelled against God, they they messed up. They disobeyed the law, but they don't want to die. They don't want to be cursed and they don't want to be destroyed. They don't want to die. The law commanded 
such uh, sinners to come with an atoning sacrifice. So that atoning sacrifice will be brought to the the Lord uh, in the sanctuary. And that sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, will die in place of the sinner. So this is called the atoning sacrifice. Um, And it was a way for those who confess to be unrighteous sinners to be forgiven. So when an animal was um, uh, brought... Uh, two animals would be brought um, to the priest, and, and one would be given to God, and, and the other one would be released. But the goat um, had, uh, the priest laid his hand on the goat, um, and um, the sin uh, of the sinner will be professed over the goat. Um, so again, the one goat was given to God, but the other goat that was to actually be released in the wilderness. So there were two goats. One was to be killed. One was to be released alive. Um, the sins of the Israel will be professed over, confessed over the goat. The goat knows nothing. Goat is just probably going, doing that, because that's what they do all the time. So I imagine that's what's happening. Clueless what's happening. But the sinner is confessing. Um, the priest is putting the hand on the goat, symbolizing the sins confessed have been transferred to the goat's head. And now the goat is going to die, but it's actually released to the wilderness where according to their folktale or uh, fairy, um, folktales um, that a monster lives out there called Azazel would eat the goat and therefore the goat cannot come back. Even though you don't kill it right away, you send it out and it is on its own to be hunted down by this predator and to never return. So what does that mean? The goat doesn't return, meaning the sin does not return. The curse does not come back to haunt down the sinner. Does it sound good? Yes. This was the mercy of God shown through the law. So sin will not return. The price of sin will not return. And that was done in the sanctuary. In spite of all this, downfall and ruin ultimately came to the people of Israel because even though they had first said, yes, amen, 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 we will do everything according to your commands, they eventually rebelled against God, against Jehovah. And Second Kings chapter 17, 9 on says they did unjustly. Why, what they did was unjust in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God. The one who defines what is right and what is wrong, according to that definition, they had failed. They did unjustly, and therefore, Hebrews 8, 9 says, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. Not only did they turn away from God, but God said, I'm not going to bless them. I'm not going to listen to them anymore. I'm not going to receive their worship. I'm turning away from them, as, and naturally, curse fell on, the pe- fell on the people. But there was this pro- hopeful prophecy for Israel. Let's go to Isaiah 53, uh, 11 to 12. Let's read that. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear his, he will bear their iniquities because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I'm going to explain about verse 12 in a bit, but verse 11 there is saying, a righteous servant. God's righteous servant is coming and he's going to justify many. So justify, justification is to make someone righteous. It's the same concept, to be legal, to make that person legal because justice means law. Do you understand? So righteousness means law, justice means law. To justify someone means to make illegal person legal. Understood? Yes. So here is someone coming who's going to make this illegal, illegitimate, unrighteous, many, many people righteous. Make those many, many people legitimate, legal, right with God by bearing their sins. Like that goat who had received those sins and the rebellion of Israel on its head and was released. So that sin and the consequences of the price of sin would not come back. Who is this prophecy about? Can you guess? It is about Yeshua. Jesus in English, Yeshua, the name means the Savior, Matthew 121. And standing before the temple of Jerusalem where the name of Jehovah was, what did he say? John 2.19. Destroy this temple 
And the Jewish people, especially Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the the priests who conducted the service and honoring God and serving God, even though they did fail in the eyes of God, it was still important to them. The temple was guaranteed that God would not abandon them, even though they were still living under curse, that as long as the temple was there, they had hope. So they were very angry. They took it as insult. But not only that, blasphemy against God about uh, what Yeshua had said. But what Yeshua was referring to was the temple of his body. He was saying that I'm going to be put to death, but in three days, what's going to happen to his body? He's going to resurrect. What's he going to accomplish through his death and his resurrection? What do you think? What was inside, what name was inside the temple? The name of Jehovah. But now he, referring to himself as the temple who came from heaven, what name was with him? What, in what name did he come? The Father's name of Yeshua, John 5, 43. That as a new temple, he will have a new name. That is the name of the Father, the true name of God. That is the name of Yeshua. And then he will now establish new law. A new law has come into town. And that is not the law of Moses. By keeping it, you become righteous. But here is new law where if you believe his word... And you remain in his word, as he said in John 15, 4, remain in me and I also remain in you. And let, if you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will have life. Right? So he is saying that those who remain in his word, in his righteousness, in the righteousness of Yeshua, will be justified, will be saved. Hallelujah. Okay, always comparing the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament being foreshadow, shadow, copy of what will be accomplished through the true one, and that is Yeshua. That he himself will become that law. So even though he, uh, he was born a, a human and appeared in the image of men and to other men, he was just another man, an ordinary man. In fact, after he was baptized by John, coming out of the water, there was voice That came from heaven saying what? This is my son. See, people were baptized before him, after him by John. There was no voice for any of them. But there's one voice. There's there's voice for this one person, one man coming out of water. And that voice said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So revealing that here is the righteous servant prophesied to come, prophesied by Isaiah, and that by his own, by the law of God, by the word of God, by fulfilling the word of God, he will justify many. He will justify many by bearing their sins. At the time, nobody understood. Nobody knew that. But this is what um, Yeshua himself said in John 16. When the Holy Spirit comes, uh, verses 8 to 11, he will convict the world, prove to the world um, that the world is in the wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. And he referred to uh, righteousness this way in verse 10. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. He's redefining what sin is, what righteousness is, and what judgment is. And speaking about righteousness, to the Jewish people it was what? Keeping the law of Moses. You keep the law, you're you're prosperous. Keep the law, you live a long life. Keep the law, and then you're protected. Your children are protected. Your land is protected. Follow me? Right? But here is new definition. Once the Holy Spirit comes, as Yeshua is saying, after I die and resurrect, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit after I ascend to heaven, and the Holy Spirit will tell you about what sin is, which is not believing in me, and that what righteousness is, is that you will not see me anymore. Like, what kind of definition is that? We're talking about righteousness. Suddenly he says, I'm going to the Father, and you will not see me anymore. So what is he saying about righteousness? That he himself is the righteousness he himself will be revealed as the righteousness who came from the father and only to be revealed after his resurrection by the holy spirit will we know amen let's go to john 1 1 so remember god is righteous and let's read verse 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the word was god and god is righteous so when it says the word was god He's righteous and he's righteousness in the noun form. Same idea, right? So the word was the righteousness. That's how we need to read it. Understood? Yes? And he was with God in the beginning. So in eternity before the world was made, God already decided on the law how he's going to proceed, how he's going to make his judgment, what is right and what is wrong. That definition was already in place in the beginning. 
It is not by voting. It is not by asking, please, can you make this right? No, no, no. God already has what is right and what is wrong. But to reveal that gradually, he started with the people of Israel by giving them the law of Moses. Now, finally, the, the, the word who was with God, the word who was God in the beginning came to the world 2,000 years ago. In the land of Judea, he came. And describing then, verse 14 says what? The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Let's do this exercise again. The word is the righteousness. So let's read that. The righteousness became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Who came from the Father? The righteousness who was decided in the beginning became flesh. So when he came as man, again, in the eyes of men, he was just another man, maybe a nice man, but just a humble, ordinary man, nothing special. He's not even a king. He's a poor man coming from a poor household. But the voice of heaven already alluded that this is the son of God. And then here John is spelling out for us, the word became flesh, God became flesh, the righteousness became flesh. Three things, ready? The word became flesh. Yes. So who is Yeshua? He is the righteousness, the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. But again, at the time, nobody understood that. Only the Holy, after Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal to the world and let through, through the believers uh, that be known. Now, when Yeshua came, he said in Matthew 9, 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners. At the time of Yeshua, were there people who were righteous? Who thought themselves as righteous? How about that? Yes. Who were they? Especially the Pharisees. Yes, the Pharisees were those who led um, the Pharisaic uh, perishum, uh, perishum, which is purity or righteousness. And these were sort of like, if you will, grass. They, they, it was a grassroots movement. On their own, they, because they fear the wrath of God, judgment coming against the unrighteous, wicked people, remembering the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah during the time of uh, absence, the absence of prophets called the Dark Age of Israel, for about 400 years prior to the coming of Yeshua, they led this movement called the self-righteous movement by adding up more regulations to law, uh, the law of Moses, like the, uh, the laws, uh, regulations regarding the Sabbath. They wanted to make sure that people did not break the law. You break the law, then you're destroyed. So let's prevent that by making more law. Hmm, yeah, okay, sounds good. And then even that, they said, check, check, I've done that, I'm passing, I'm good, I'm righteous. Having them in mind, this is what you should say, I have not come to call those who say, I kept the law, therefore I'm righteous, but rather those who confess, I broke the law and I'm a sinner. He did not come for calling those who kept the law and became righteous in their own eyes, in their own minds, but those who broke, broke the law and became sinners. And he warned about the end of the world. Yeshua warned about the end of the world. And he said, in the end, there'll be judgment. In Matthew 13, 49, he says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. In Matthew 25, he gave a parable about separating the world into the sheep and the goats. Those who are on the right and those who are on the left. And then he, um, at the end of that uh, parable, uh, he said, the righteous will go into eternal life, but those who are not righteous, as in unrighteous, the wicked, will go away to eternal punishment. This is why we have to pay attention, folks. The matter of righteous, being found righteous or not is related to the result, the end. And these are words of Yeshua. And he himself said, the righteous will go into, go to eternal life, while the unrighteous to eternal punishment. Simply, hell. So, it is not for those who claim themselves to be righteous by keeping the law, the law of Moses, or the Pharisaic law, but those who say, I'm a sinner. I cannot make myself righteous on my own. I try to keep the law, but I cannot. But only believing in the righteous one, the righteousness coming from God, and believing in his word, and following his word, I'm justified. 
and I'm remaining his word, only those will in the end enter eternal life. But ironically, the way Yeshua was put to death, though the word became flesh to die, the righteousness coming from God was killed because of those who claim themselves to be righteous. Do you understand? The Pharisees are ones who passed them over to the Romans to be crucified. So the righteous one was killed by the self-righteous ones. Those who claim themselves to be righteous. Very ironic, isn't it? But there's nothing surprising in the plan of God. This is all according to his schedule, according to his plan. And when he died on the cross, therefore, what did Yeshua say? It is finished. He said, it's all done. It's all completed. What was completed? It was the moment that he was dying according to the Father's command. He was keeping the commandment. What's the commandment? Go to John 10 quickly. John 10, 17, 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. What command did he receive from the father? To lay down his life. When did he receive it? When did he receive it? In the beginning, when he was what? Blank? The word. There you go. So when he was with the father in the beginning, he received this command to lay down his life willingly by keeping command. What did the people become in the old Testament? They became righteous because God is righteous. This is the principle. You want to be found righteous, be right with God. So you don't get, you don't go to eternal punishment, but you go to eternal life. You have to keep the command. And that's exactly what Yeshua did. He kept the command of the father so that through that one act, which is described in Romans 5, 18 as righteous act, one righteous act, Romans 3, 25 to 26, he demonstrated his righteousness through his obedience so that he, he through his death, he was confirmed to be the righteousness. And then he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit so that the father will receive him for he obeyed the command of the father and the father now guarantees him what has been promised that is eternal life that is the throne in heaven the kingdom of heaven hallelujah and that by that obedience he judged the origin of sin also the origin of unrighteousness that is the devil satan who caused our ancestor adam the living being to sin and therefore sin entered all men and all men died in that sin. For we inherit a sin and the price of sin along with the spirit. Romans 5.12 says. But by joining with the unrighteous. When he died, he died next to the thief. Well, one is a thief and the other one is actually insurrection. He was, uh, um, right? He was, he was leading an insurrection. So he was a, basically a rebel, but they broke the law at the time. So he died with criminals. Yes, Yeshua died with criminals, three, three crosses. Psalm 50 verse 18 says, when you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. So what it's saying is you join with the thief, a thief. This is what Psalm says. Do you understand how perfect the Bible is? The prophecy of the Bible. Psalm says, you are joined with the thief. And that is what we just read in Isaiah 53, 12. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. Numbered with transgressors, meaning you were with the sinners. You joined the sinners. You were found with sinners. The way he died was with sinners, with criminals, with thieves. But it was for him, while he died with joining the unrighteous ones, this was the way that he would pay the price of sins for all men, that he will redeem through his death. Hallelujah. That he joined the unrighteous ones like the thieves, like sinners such. He died like a sinner. He became like a sinner and died like a sinner, though he knows no sin. He became sin. So through his death, sin will be nailed to the cross and the price of sin will be paid for. So on all unrighteousness, all rebellion, like the animal, the, 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 the goat that had the sin of all Israel, all rebellion and unrighteousness of Israel were put on the head of the goat. Just like that, it was put on the body of Yeshua and it was nailed to cross and it would now, it will never return. The consequence of sin, the curse of sin will not return to the souls again. Hallelujah. Do you understand? 
the Old Testament is like a mirror image of the New Testament. That's why we spend so much time learning about the Old Testament. Without the Old Testament, we don't know Yeshua. We don't know the plan of the will of God. But when he died, it was the moment that he paid the price of sin such a way that in three days after his death, the father finally raised him back up to life, fulfilling his prophecy, and then brought him to the heaven above all the heavens. That's the spiritual heaven where the throne is. And he sat down as now the righteousness forever and ever. He is the everlasting righteousness. Hallelujah. Though he is the righteousness, when he died, he became like one of the unrighteous. Do you understand? That's why he needed to be proven to be the righteous and not just now, but forevermore. Do you understand? Amen. Psalm 119, 142 says, your righteousness is everlasting. So the Holy Spirit was sent from the throne in the name of Yeshua. And he came to those who received the blood of Yeshua by calling in the name of Yeshua. Say amen if you receive the name of Yeshua. And in the name of Yeshua, you receive the blood of Yeshua. Amen. And not only us, the individual souls, but he has come to the church that is gathered in the name of Yeshua. Was purchased by the blood of Yeshua, souls and the church. Acts 20, 28 um, says. So... Describing that, in other words, is he established the kingdom of Yeshua on earth. This is a new kingdom that is not like any other kingdoms on earth. This is a kingdom where Yeshua reigns as the king, as Christ. When Yeshua asked the disciples, who do you say I am? What did Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah who was prophesied to come as man, but you are really God. Because you're the son of the living God. In other words, you are God. You are the God who came as man. You are the God who became man. So having that faith as the base, as the foundation, the church was built and the church is the kingdom where the law of Christ reigns and rules. Because for a kingdom to be kingdom, to be functioning fully, it needs law. Didn't we talk about that in the beginning? Yes? So law is necessary to maintain human society, I had said. Law is necessary to maintain any nation. So to maintain the kingdom of Christ, do we need law? Yes. And what is the law then? It's described as Christ's law. 1 Corinthians 9.21. Christ's law. So that means as the Holy Spirit came, a kingdom came. And it is, this is kingdom that is unlike any other kingdoms on earth. As Mark 9, 1 says, the kingdom of God has come upon you, has come with power upon you. Mark 9, 1. He said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, when he has said this, some of you will not be around and some of you will be dead, perhaps, when the kingdom of God comes. Many people thought that he was talking about the kingdom of Israel being restored. But what Yeshua was not was saying was not about the earthly political kingdom. He's not talking about the earthly legal system like the kingdom of Israel. Rather, what he is saying is what? The Holy Spirit coming to establish a new kingdom on earth. And then there will be some of you who'll be, who will not be, be around. Who was, who, who was not around when, when the Holy Spirit came? Who among the disciples was missing? I'm giving you a hint already. Judas, there you go. Judas who killed himself was not around at the Pentecost. We understood? Yes? So the kingdom of God coming with power is referring to the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit came. And, and when he came, the kingdom of God came. In, in the Old Testament, Israel was considered the kingdom of Jehovah. Right? Um, then they had human kings because they wanted human kings. And the human kings, some of them did well, some of them didn't do well. But eventually it split into two. Uh, it, it, it split into two. And then they went their way. Um, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, kingdom of Israel, kingdom of um, Judah. One time they'll do well and they'll prosper. The other time they won't. But eventually they both fell. So there is no kingdom that is perfect that where it is considered the kingdom of God on earth. But this kingdom is in the gathering in the name of Yeshua, which is the name of our king, the king of kings, Yeshua. What is that gathering? The gathering is what? The church. And the church is the kingdom where the law of Christ rules. In other words, what is the title of the sermon today? The law of faith. The law of faith. 
So the church is the kingdom where the law of faith rules. This is the kingdom of faith. Hallelujah. It is not by birth. Right? Because by birth, we do not qualify. What am I talking about by birth? Flesh and blood. We're not children of Abraham. We are not part of that line. We are godless, in fact, when we are called by God. Outside of covenant. We have never received any revelation commandment uh, and, and, and never went into covenant with God. But by the grace of God, we are living in a new era called the era of grace, the era of the Holy Spirit, where the kingdom of faith is established, and that is the church in the name of Yeshua. The gathering has come, and this is where the word of Yeshua rules. Amen? Only 20 people say amen. Because you're going, yeah, this is where I have a problem. I really don't like being told what to do. CLJ is all about being told what to do. I can't do everything I want. They tell me I can't go on vacation. I can't go on trip. I can't do this. I can't do that. And they have to know everything. It's like I have to report this and this. What is this? A communist? What are we living in the law of Moses? Such a legalistic place. First of all, legalism refers to the law of Moses. So let's get our terms right. Right? We're no longer under the law of Moses. If we're under the law of Moses, we're all dead. You and I all dead. Over. Game over. But we are now under new law called the law of Moses. Not law of Moses, but law of faith. Amen. So simply by believing in the righteous act of the righteous one, we have received forgiveness through his redemptive work, his redeeming blood. Hallelujah. It, is only, it has been made only possible by faith because we are now living in a right system called the law of faith. Had we been born thousands of years ago under the law of Moses, again, you and I, dead, over. But we have been born in the right time at the right place. We have been brought into this kingdom where the law of faith rules. And I say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It is a place where, it is not a place where there is lawlessness. It is a place where the new, new law is in town. And it's Christ's law, which is what he commanded. What he commanded. So maybe some people are entertaining. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around here. Because it's just like I thought in the beginning it was nice. And people are nice. They feed me. They take me to places. Everybody's so nice, nice, nice. They come. And then like you gradually come. It's like, where were you last week? Oh, I missed one Sunday. And they look at me like I just committed mass murder. Where were you? <laughs> like I, I, I visit like MMC group. Because there's like big group. I'm going to go, where were you? <laughs> Even before I go there, they're like, so it's like, where were you? I'm Because I care for your soul. I'm, you're in my prayer and you've been missing. And I'm not sure how well you're doing. You're in danger. That's why I'm coming at you. I mean, where were you? And you're like, oh my God. I want my freedom back. There are many churches out there, aren't there? Sure. And there are people who are decent. And this pastor has PhD too. So, and he teaches really well. So why don't I go over there? I know. It's like and they're lo- nervous laughing. <laughs> oh, how did you know about me? Okay. So this is where you need to pay attention. This is serious matter. If you're always entertaining a thought, it's like COJ is not the only place. I have one foot in, one foot out. I'm always looking around and see when my time is, when my options are. You need to have a guideline. What is a true church? What is the kingdom that Christ recognizes his own? It is a place where his word rules. Where his command rules. And that we honor the command with all our life. Even if people don't like it. It is a church where God is pleased over pleasing men. That is where I belong. And I should take pride in the fact that I belong to such a kingdom. So the true believer, a man who's made by the Holy Spirit and having faith in Yeshua and not by keeping the word of Moses that one finds himself too righteous, but it is simply by believing in Yeshua, the righteousness, and believing that what he did at the cross was his righteous act by keeping the command of the Father, which was for him to lay down his life, he became a ransom for me, for all of us, all men in Adam, that by believing I have been forgiven I have been made right with God. Amen? It's simply by faith. Do you believe that? How many of you really believe that? That it's not by your doing, or perhaps you're like, I can pass 99%. I just need help 1%. Or I pass 50% on my own. I'm decent, a 50% decent guy. I just need 50% from Yeshua. Thank you. 
No. It's someone who says, I'm 100% failure. I have failed 100%. But simply by believing in Yeshua, who is the righteous one, that his act was righteous act, that his act was to reveal his righteousness. Though he joined the unrighteous ones and was treated like an unrighteous wicked one. It was for him to reveal that he is a righteous one by obeying the Father's command. That my faith in that, in him, has now brought me to be declared by God the judge going, found not guilty. Found not guilty. That's what we experience when we come before him one by one. Not your mama, not your pastor, not your regional group leader, not your teacher, not your evangelist. But it's you and me one by one before God confessing, I'm a sinner. I deserve the fire of hell, the price of sin. But by by my faith in Yeshua, the righteousness. I believe that I have been justified. I have been forgiven. I have been right with God. Now I am legal. I am legitimate. Hallelujah. And such a believer goes through this experience as Romans 10, 10 says. It is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. Now that passage is so important for us. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Yet... Because of that passage being misunderstood and making light of this importance of righteousness, many people, in fact, will end up going to hell. What, am I, what do I mean by that? Because it said, I believe in my heart and, and confess with my mouth. What else do I need to do? Isn't that enough to be saved? Is where many people are at. That's why they're in trouble. Now, on the, on, on the one hand, that is what it says. That is what it says. But we also need to take into consideration what other parts of the Bible says. So let's go back to Romans 3, 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So the law was given... In the Old Testament, but once the law came, the law came to all men. That's what the Bible says. All men became subject to the ruling of the law of Moses, whether you know it or not. And it is not to be kept and say, I am righteous by the definition of the law so I can save myself. But rather, the law says, see, you dishonor your parents, you're guilty. You try not to lie, but you are lying all the time. You're not supposed to covet, but you're coveting all the time. So the law is the one that's defining, and therefore uh, one becomes conscious of his sin. That's the function of the law. And then verse 21 says what? Together. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Now, what is that righteousness of law that is apart from the law? What is that referring to? The law and the prophets testify about this righteousness of God. I know, you're like, okay, I'm going to help you. Who is that referring to? Yeshua, hallelujah. So as Matthew eleven thirteen, Yeshua also said, the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So the prophets and the law refer to the Old Testament. The Old Testament's testimony regarding who? Yeshua. He is the righteousness of God that has been made known. And then verse 22 says what? This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Wait a minute. So we talked about Yeshua just now. But the right after that says the righteous, this righteousness. So we're thinking we're talking about Yeshua, right? But it says given through faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So what does that mean? First of all, Jews, Jews are the ones who received the law. And by keeping the law, they were found to be righteous. And if so, God kept, the, God um, protected their rights and their blessings, right? So that is the righteousness by keeping the law of the Old Testament. And then the righteousness of God who's revealed, right? About whom the prophets and the law testify. That is Yeshua, the righteousness of Yeshua. So we have the law by keeping the law, the righteousness by keeping the law, the righteousness of Yeshua. And then there's a third type called the righteousness by faith for those who believe. So what it's saying is there's no difference 
between the righteousness by keeping the law of Moses and the righteousness of Yeshua. And the righteousness that comes by our faith in Yeshua. And what do you say to that? Do you understand? I know it's very complicated, but this is so essential to our faith, to salvation, for salvation. If we're not right with God, it is to be thrown into eternal punishment, folks. That's why this is so important. Even if it's difficult to follow, you got to try. Amen? Only the righteous will enter eternal life. And what the good news is that the, this righteousness, there's no difference. No difference between Jews and Gentiles. So let's jump to verse 25. 25 says what? God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand on whatever God speaks must be kept. Whatever God speaks must be kept. So for sinners to become righteous, is that possible? On their own, could they become righteous? Impossible. Impossible. Therefore, by God's grace, he sent his son, who knows no sin, to become an atoning sacrifice. Here, Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. And that he died in place of all sinners, joining the unrighteous. He paid the price of sin. And then, by believing in that all sins committed beforehand are forgiven. Is this good news for you? All your sins and my sins that you don't even want to think about or admit to have been forgiven. Have been forgiven? Amen. Yeah, whatever. Why is she so excited? Oh, you're so excited. And... Because sin was paid for. Because sin was paid for, as God said. You keep the command, your blessing is guaranteed. You don't keep the command, curse comes. That's it. And God's word must be kept because it is righteous. And was his word kept for the sinners of the world? Yes. Because one man died in place of all men and he is no man at all. He is God, the sinless God who died in place of all men so that the price of sin may be paid for. So when he died on the cross, sin was paid. The word, the righteous word of God was fulfilled. God is proven to be the righteous one forever. Do you understand? There's no negotiation, I had said earlier. No compromise, no changing to his absolute rightness. Continues, 26 to 27. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. And what do we say to that? Hallelujah. Amen. So this is not the law that demands us to keep obeying to be righteous, but it is the law that says believe. Easy or hard? You better answer quickly. Easy or hard? It's hard to understand you, Pastor Joe, but if it is to by believing that I am safe, it is easy. Easier than keeping the, how many commandments? Not just 10, 613 points to the law. What is easier, to believe or keep all of that? Believe. So does that mean that we are free from law? Verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Say it louder. Rather, we uphold the law. Now the law has a different function. It's no longer the law to condemn sinners to death. But it's the law that will keep us in righteousness until entering that new heaven and new earth. So the believer now understanding this as second Peter three thirteen says, but in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. How many of you want to go to the father's house where the righteousness dwells? That is referring to Yeshua, the eternal everlasting righteousness. But that is the place where the righteous ones go. I want to go there. Do you want to go there? 
I don't want to be in this unrighteous place. Just like Lot was tormented in his heart, in his time, living in Sodom, seeing all the unrighteous, wicked things in his world. He was broken and tormented in his heart. And he just looked forward to that day when he would be rescued. And that's the heart of a man of the Holy Spirit ought to have. There is no, in, not in plan of God to purify this world to make it a place, better place to, to, for us to live forever and ever. Absolutely not. Second Peter 3, 7 says, this is a place that is reserved for the fire. The fire of hell that is. Matthew 25, 41, where the fire is reserved for, the eternal fire is reserved for the devil and his following angels. So now we must remain in righteousness be ruled by the law of, Mo- law of faith, not law of Moses. So remain with God is what 1 Corinthians 7.24 says. And remain in true to the faith, Acts 14.22 says. And John 15 verse 4 says, remain in me and I also remain in you. Let's look at it together. 15, John verses 5 to 6. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Who is the vine? Who is the vine? Jesus, Yeshua is the vine. And what are we? We are the? We are the branches. So here, our relationship with him is described this way. He's the vine and we're the branches. Another place in Ephesians 5 says he is the head of the church. Yeshua is the head of the church. Who is the head of the church? And head means king, the ruler. The head rules, not your stomach. Even if you may feel like that, it's the head. All right? If the head dies, even if the stomach is healthy, it's over. The head is the commander. The head is the ruler. The head is the king. Yeshua is the head of the church, Ephesians 5, 23. And who are we? The believers. We are the members of the body. And the body is what? The church. Okay, let's summarize. Yeshua is the vine. Yeshua is the head. His body is what? The church. That's, um, again, that is in Romans 12, 5, Ephesians 5, 23, Colossians 1, 24, many places, describes the body of Christ being the church. The church is the body. So in John 15, he says, I'm the vine, but we don't see the body there. But if he is the vine, the head is the vine, the body is the vine. Hard? Easy? But people like to say, is COJ only the vine? Like, I'm attached to Yeshua, so why do you always say vine and branch and the vine is, vine is the church? Because you are obviously selectively choosing to look at that and not the rest. The relationship between the vine and the branch is a life relationship. A branch cannot live without the vine. Are we clear on that? The, the branch must stay intact, attached to the vine to live. Amen. What about the body parts? Can the hand, the finger, the eye live without the body? No. It has to stay intact. Intact. Attached to live. So we, believers, in our way to be found as saints, becoming sanctified, what do we need to do? We have to remain in righteousness. So what do we, what do we establish? Who is the righteousness? Yeshua is the righteousness. And if he is the righteousness, the head, what about the body? Is it righteousness? Don't, talk, don't think about the people. It's the body, the church, where the righteous word rules. So it is the righteousness of Yeshua. Amen? So as a member, for me to enter new heaven and new earth in that day where righteousness dwells, what do I need to do today in my life on earth? Where do I need to live? Where I need to be? I need to remain in righteousness. Where is that kingdom? Where is that place? It is the body of Christ, the church. It's so logical. You need to follow. Know the Bible. And make the connections. But still people say, well, see, just always talking about church and that you can't leave church. And because it's, you want to keep all of us, all of, all of us as hostage. Hostage? You think I want to keep you as hostage? Hello? Hostage? You need to like take that out of your mind. I can't do whatever I want. I want to do this for my family and my children. And you say, no, 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 no. It's not me. It's trying to live according to the word of our king, which is the law. If he says, lay them down, lay them down, surrender, deny yourself. That's what you're going to hear from the church here. That's where the righteousness dwells. 
So the vine tries to keep the branches. The vine is trying to hold on to branch. But if the branch goes, no, let me go. I'm leaving. Then the, what, what can the vine do? It's falling away on its own. Then in the end, what? The branch that is thrown away and withers, such branches are picked up. Verse 6, what does it say? If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and... Did I make that up? Are you reading it with me? You're seeing it with me? Whose words are these? Yeah. So the branches that are, that are fallen away on their own will be picked up and gathered and thrown into the fire. The righteous to eternal life. The unrighteous, the wicked to eternal punishment. Simple as that, black or white. That's it. I'm not making it up. These are words of Yeshua. And I know some of you are going like, I've been to church, I never heard of that. Well, you've been in the wrong places. That's all I can say. I don't know what Bible they are reading and believing, but this is the Bible that we believe. The word of Yeshua that we believe. Yeshua is righteousness. His body is righteousness. We must remain in righteousness where the righteous word is spoken and honored and upheld. And that is in the church, the body of Christ. Amen. Second Peter 3, 11, 12 says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So the believer is someone who not only remains in Christ, that is the church, the body of Christ, that is the righteousness. But secondly, what the Christian does, what a believer does, is that he lives a holy and godly life, doing what is holy and godly. So what does that mean? Titus 2.12 says the, guy, the grace of God teaches us to say no to godly, ungodliness, no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. That's what it says there. Say no to ungodliness. Say no to unholiness. Say no to worldly passions because in the flesh, even though we have become justified by faith, justified by his blood, say amen if you believe that. Our flesh is still tempted by the world. As First John chapter 2, 16 says, we are tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. This is a struggle that we have for the rest of our lives. That's why you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded through this word today. And what the word says is that you must say no to such worldliness. Say no to such ungodliness. Because keep continuing to live an ungodly, unholy life. You will not enter eternal life. You will be thrown into eternal punishment and hell. You understand? God has done what is impossible for any of us can do on our own. That is to pay the price of our sin and fulfilling that righteousness through his own obedience and through his death. We simply believe. But that was only the beginning. For the rest of our lives, we need to remain in righteousness. What do we need to do? Remain in righteousness. For by remaining as members of the body of Christ, the church. And secondly, living on on, uh, a holy, godly life. And thirdly, not being yoked with unbelievers. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. What is it saying? Do not be yoked with unbelievers. Do not be yoked with unrighteous. The only time that you're going to associate with unbelievers, un, 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 unrighteous and unbelievers is, yes, you're going to work with them and you're going to have them as neighbors or school classmates or whatever. They're going to be around. But do not be yoked with them. Yoke is you go, same place, same destination, same interest, same direction, same passion. So you do not yoke yourself with unrighteous because in the end, the right, only the righteous will enter eternal life. You are found to be heading and moving with the unrighteous then you will go where the unrighteous will go. That's the eternal fire. It's your choice. So I know in, in COJ, it's like COJ members to, to be in a workplace and find, I need to 
take days off before you, you, get, you even get a job and a, jo- a job interview. So do you have any questions or any? Because, yeah, uh, I, I, li- I like to get this job and I like to work here, but uh, I need July days off for the summer retreat. And then I need a couple of days off here and there for relief work now. And, and for Zoe, I'm like, what? What are, they, like, what are you asking? <laughs> yeah, I need those days off. And then I can work. And actually, um, Friday nights, I need to finish by a certain time. Oh, and Wednesday night too. And then Monday we have, um, you know, prayer uh, meeting. And, oh, Saturday I cannot work at all. No, no. And Sunday, don't even call me. No. <laughs> and then the employer goes, what? You're fired. Get out of here. That's what they will say. Not only that, once you get hired, then what? Everyone's like, hey, everybody, today is like our, our, our boss is like paying for us happy hour. So happy hour, what do you do? I'm not happy with the happy hour. I got to go home. Yeah. It's like everyone else like round, like ever pass around the champagne or alcohol. And there is that one Christian in the corner going, I'll take water. <laughs> I know that means being bullied. That means being isolated. But that is how we remain in righteousness. And that is how we are not yoked with unbelievers. Amen. Because even if they, you are bullied and even at times you may lose your job because of that, do not worry. Our heavenly father will take care of us, feed us, heal us and, and watch over us. Hallelujah. And it is to then finally as Christians to be eager to do what is good to our brothers, doing that good work to, for our brothers who are in need. And even at times in the name of Yeshua, doing good to even unbelieving world so that the name of Yeshua is known and the gospel is preached. So in Matthew 25 there, when Yeshua gives that parable, um, blessed are uh, those of you um, who are on, on, on the right. He said, come and take uh, the kingdom that has been prepared for you. You, have, you gave me water when I was thirsty. You fed me when I was hungry. And when I needed clothing, you gave to me when I was in prison. You came and visited me and all of that. And then the righteous will say, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you sick? When, did we, when did, were you a stranger? When were you in prison? And the Lord said, when you have done these things to the least of these... You have done to me. And that is what the righteous does. The righteous ones look after the other. Not because they're told to. But because now they have been justified. They know what righteousness is. So they look. They open their eyes. Not to themselves. Not for their own needs and their families. But open their eyes to the needs of others. Especially the brothers and sisters in Christ. That is our priority here in the body of Christ. And when we are strong together. Then we can go out there. And seek and help the needs of those. Who are in in need of the Yeshua. And we bring the good news. And we also do good work in the name of Yeshua. So that on the day the Lord comes back we are found to be righteous remaining in righteousness so that he will take us from this righteousness on earth to the righteousness in heaven hallelujah let us pray perhaps this word is very difficult to understand and or maybe those of you who can understand with your heads now it's difficult to accept so we need to pray ask the holy spirit to inspire us and open our hearts these stubborn proud hearts to be broken and contrite and be humbled because I don't want to be thrown into eternal punishment it's black or white it's either I'm righteous or unrighteous if I'm right with God I will be in eternal life in that day but if I'm not right with God although I've been thinking that I'm okay in that day if he says you're not right with me you are unrighteous go away from me into the fire So he's giving us another chance right now to make it right. I'm coming back to you with the spirit of repentance. Forgive me. I welcome the law of faith. Where would I be without this law of faith? Let it continue to rule over me in this kingdom of faith on earth, the church where I will belong as member faithfully. Help me to be bold and confident that you will take care of me even if the world laughs at me and persecutes me. I want to remain in righteousness.